book of Acts is so great. It's a bit like a bridge book between the Gospels and the New Testament that Daniel was telling us a bit about last week. So if you haven't heard that preach, do catch up online. It's really good. But yeah, Sam, do you want to come up and I'll just pray for you? Yeah, thank you, Lord, for Sam. Thank you that he hears, hears your voice and, um, yeah, he knows you and he loves you. And um, I just thank you so much for the work he's put into this preach. And I pray that you will just bless him, um, that he would just, yeah, know your peace and your presence as he's talking. And, um, yeah, that, yeah, we'd help us listen um, to what he has to say, Lord. Thank you, Father. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah, so Hannah's already said it, but... Um, Hopefully, uh, a number of you will have uh, heard the first part of our Acts series last week. Daniel Goodman from Cambridge, who's going to be with us next weekend as well, kicked us off. Real great message, real clear challenge to us. So I'd really encourage you to, uh, to listen to that. Uh, you can do that online on our YouTube channel. And uh, so we're week two in this series, looking at what it means to be a church family and to take uh, the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's really what Acts is about, that um, we've had um, four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, where we've seen in the gospels the life of Jesus. And then uh, Luke uh, writes Acts, that's where it's positioned uh, in our Bibles, where uh, we're talking about the same risen Jesus, the one in whom was... um, healing and ministering through uh, the Gospels, the one in whom was uh, killed, went to the cross in the Gospels and who was raised to life, defeated death and uh, was raised to life. This same Jesus is who uh, Luke is talking about in Acts um, where he said that this same Jesus ascended to heaven and uh, we believe and read elsewhere that he's seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. And so the book of Acts is an exciting book because it talks about, or starts, Luke kicks us off verse one by saying, um, it kind of says that in the beginning, Jesus did these things. This was just the beginning though. This was just the beginning, there's more to come. And what Jesus uh, has done through the gospels is, um, is just the beginning. There's a promise that this same Jesus is gonna come back, he's gonna return. And uh, we read that in the, in the meantime, he has more to do Uh, accomplished by his spirit through the church. There's a clear mission that we are invited into as a church family in this next uh, season, in this next uh, uh, chapter or book in the Bible, a clear mission that gives us uh, something to follow. This small group of believers that were the first to uh, receive it uh, and it's something that we can excite ourselves about this morning by reminding ourselves of what it is God's called us to. The early church, uh, an expansive mission to see, uh, to see nations change, to see the gospel go to the ends of the globe. And uh, we read of a small group of believers in the book of Acts, and this morning we know that we have joined with millions and millions of people across the globe who are worshipping this same risen, ruling, reigning Jesus. So we're going to be our second week in chapter one, uh, and I just want to pick out a couple of things, because where does this expansive mission start. This global mission that Jesus called us to, where does it start? It starts in a locked room. What is the first instruction of uh, the commander-in-chief of uh, Jesus when he sets this mission out to his disciples? What's the first instruction? Wait. Wait. This uh, ends of the earth mission, but I want you to wait. And I think that's a challenge in itself. We know that there's the promise of the Holy Spirit. We know that that's what uh, the uh, disciples have been told to wait for. 
and we're going to get there in a couple of weeks when we're back in this book together. But I think there's a lot that we can learn just from a small section in Acts 1 where we read about what it looks like to expectantly wait for God to move. Believing that there's more for us, but expectingly waiting for, for what God's going to do. And, uh, and the encouragement that we take from that, some of the ways in which we can posture ourselves in that, I think there's some encouragements for us as a church family, but also uh, individually. It might be that you're, you feel that you're particularly called in a certain area, you're, you're waiting to see uh, God open some doors for you. What does it look like to wait in that? What does it look like for us as a church family where we believe that God has given us these clear uh, steps for us to move into but, but, but we don't see them open just yet what does it look like to be a community of people that are waiting for God to move and we read this in Acts 1 so let me just read for us chapter 1 verse 15 onwards uh, from the book of Acts in those days Peter stood up among the brothers the company of persons was in all about 120 and said brothers the scripture has been fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was, murdered, uh, he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out and it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So that field was called in their own language, Akeldama. That is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So one of the men who accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, who knows the hearts of all, shall show which one of these two you have chosen, to which the place in uh, sorry to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots uh, to them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So I think there's a few things that we learn about what it means to be a waiting, expectant community. And uh, I just want to lead us through those uh, real quickly. So first of all, not read it, but verse six, the initial response to the disciples, I probably feel similar. Uh, I think I would have responded in a similar way. Verse six, their initial response is to ask questions. Jesus said, this is your mission, uh, but you need to wait. And their initial response is, well, no, I, I can't wait. I need to know the answers. They've surrounded Jesus and they, they want to know the deal. And I think I understand that level of impatience. I think it's something that I would definitely see in myself. But we see in the later verses some features of what I believe is, is a real encouragement to us and to you if, if this is uh, what you're currently experiencing as to how to position yourself in this time, how to wait on God uh, for him to move. Uh, firstly, uh, it's about obedience. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem. That is probably the place that the disciples most... Uh, least wanted to be. This is the place where Jesus has just been murdered. And Jesus said, look, go and wait in Jerusalem. We can tell that they're feeling unsure about that because they're in a locked room. I think if, uh, if I was them and I was left to my own devices, this is a global mission, I'd be thinking I want to get as far away from Jerusalem as possible. But Jesus has said, no, I want you to wait and I want you to wait here. 
And I, it just struck me that this is an obedience to Jesus that is beyond comfort. This is uh, placing yourself in a situation that is not about your comfort or your preference, but it's about obedience to Jesus. It's about what he has told uh, you to do. It's not about uh, kind of taking our own initiative in these things. I think the disciples could have maybe thought, well, we'll, we'll start building some boats or something and we'll start learning a new language maybe because we know the way this is going. But instead, no, Jesus said, no, I just want you to wait and I want you to wait here. And it just struck me the level of obedience that is required in waiting as Jesus has called them. Not going beyond what it is he's doing, but he, they are seeking to follow Jesus. Secondly, we read that there is that the disciples have trusted in the sovereignty of God. They've trusted in God's sovereignty. We see this uh, straight away. Peter uh, turns to Scripture. That's his default position. He turns to Scripture and he says, he shows how Judas is all part of the plan, that this hasn't come as a curveball or a complete surprise, but they, they show that there is a working out of Scripture. This is God's plan unworking, that we can take confidence in the fact that God is in control. We've sung about that. I think that was the thing that has uh, really been resonating with my heart as we've been singing today. We've been singing about the kingship of Jesus. Bow down before he's Lord of all. And uh, it's so important when we're in this season of waiting, when we're in this season of perhaps a bit unknown, to, to trust in the sovereignty of God, to take confidence in him. Maybe they don't know the full details. They don't yet. They don't, they don't know the full details, but Peter immediately turns them to Scripture and says, look, it's okay, we can trust what he's doing. We can trust what God is doing amongst us. He is ruling and reigning and can be trusted. I think there's even a, a practical example in that they, they, take, uh, they cast lots. And uh, although that seems a bit of a, a strange thing to do, it's the only example that we see in the New Testament, but it's a very clear example where they're saying, look, God, this is, this is you. This is on you. This is your mission. This is your church. You decide. You show us the way to go. You uh, reveal yourself in this way uh, to us. I think it's probably good to comment about uh, that. That's the only time that we see that in the New Testament. Elsewhere, we see um, leading and character and gifting tri um, trumped uh, when people are chosen for other roles. But it's a real clear example here where we see um, that, that the apostles, the disciples, are just pushing themselves against God and say, God, you're sovereign in this, and we want you. Uh, to, to make it clear to us which way we should go. We want you uh, to decide here. Elsewhere, we see the apostles recommending people and, uh, and those kind of things. But it's really clear from these verses. This is part of God's plan for the here and now. Thirdly, I think we see a real example of the reliance on God. In a time of waiting, we see a, a real reliance on him. It says um, that the community of believers were together, they were in one room together and that they were constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. They were just seeking after God like this. Like he, he has said, look, it, just wait, something's coming. But they are constant in prayer, constantly seeking him, saying, God, would you move now? Would you bring this now? Would you, would you help us now? That's what it looks like, doesn't it? To be uh, a believer, it looks like to be somebody who is waiting on God, who is seeking and trusting him. There's that element of reliance on him and, and seeking him in prayer. One of the things that I've probably enjoyed most about lockdown church has been the, our prayer meeting where we've, where we've been seeking after God constantly for certain things, seeking, God, would you move now? Would you move now? 
That's what it means to be a community like this where we're just seeking after him, relying on him. And then also I want to just pick out some of the characters in this story. We get some examples from a couple of people that I just want to kind of highlight for us as examples. So firstly we see Peter. Now Peter's very well known. I know a number of you will know who Peter is. Um, whether you're a Christian or not, you, you've probably heard of Peter. He's the man who, who denied Jesus. That's what he's famous for in the latter stage. He denied Jesus three times. He, he sinned, he lied, he uh, was afraid of a little girl. And, uh, uh, you know, in one of those occasions and, and kind of said, no, no, I don't know who Jesus is. And then he's a man who ultimately preaches to thousands and they come, and come to know Jesus. And then he is uh, a big key player in the New Testament, seeing churches planted and the gospel spread across the globe to the Gentiles. And so a key, a key man. And, and often with Peter, what we do is we kind of say, look, uh, Peter was like this before, and then Pentecost came, so Acts 2, and this is Peter now. And I think that's a really good example of the Holy Spirit empowering, and, and you see that clearly on Peter's life. But I wanted just to draw uh, something from these verses, because we see here, verse 15, we see that Peter... It says, Peter stood up. It's a very simple verse, but it says, Peter stood up. This is before Acts 2 happens. Peter stood up amongst the believers. And friends, I just wanted to kind of draw that out a bit because I think it's quite a big deal. Peter, who has, uh, who has quite publicly sinned, has quite publicly left, let his saviour down, has quite publicly shown himself, I, I guess, to, um, to, to not maybe have that level of of responsibility perhaps, but yet has been restored by Jesus. He's been forgiven by Jesus. He's encountered afresh the the love of Jesus and and his grace. And it's in that that he's been able to stand. It's in that that Peter has had the confidence to stand amongst this group of believers. He is convinced by the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of his saviour. And I guess I just wanted to to kind of highlight that to us because that's a, I think that's quite a big deal. Peter stands up amongst uh, the brothers. I think also there's an element in which we see the way that the community, the brothers, uh, that they accept him in that, the way that they receive uh, Peter. And I I think it's just a beautiful image of community, that they recognise what God is doing in his life. You know, last week Daniel set us a a number of challenges about this being a season that for many of us it will be an opportunity to step up and it felt like it resonated with me. I felt like, yeah, no, this is right. As we continue to be, uh, go through this book of Acts, we're going to see that. We're going to see lots of challenges along the way like that. But I felt, uh, as I read these verses, that there's a real encouragement too for us to be a community that is like this group of brothers, that is, uh, are those that encourage and care for people, those who recognise what God is doing in people's lives, those who, who recognise uh, the grace of God on people, those that recognise that past failures are not necessarily the be-all and end-all, but we can see, like Peter, uh, that God uses people like that. I want to be that kind of a community. And then secondly, there's another player in this book, there's, uh, or in these verses. There's Justice Barsabbas, or uh, Joseph, as he's also known. He's the man who didn't get the gig. He's the man who was overlooked. And uh, we don't see a great deal about this man. I'm intrigued. Uh, This is one of the questions I would love to know a little bit more about. I'd love to know how he handled that. I'd love to know whether other people were maybe 
you know, secretly hoping for him or, or not. But, we, you know, we read that this man was as qualified as anybody else. He was somebody that had been with Jesus throughout his whole ministry. <coughs> he'd seen the risen Jesus. He'd, he'd, he'd been with this group of believers. Suddenly, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity arose and, and he was overlooked. He wasn't chosen. It's quite a big deal, isn't it? And uh, we don't read a great deal about this man. I think in Acts 15, there is a mention of uh, a Judas Basabbas and uh, a number of commentators, I think I probably uh, agree with this, talk about the fact that this is probably the same person. Luke's making the point that, look, actually he's still in the game. That in Luke 15, um, this man is used to send some letters to uh, other churches. Church history also holds him as somebody that was... Um, uh, a bishop in a, in a particular area and uh, was also martyred for his faith. So I do believe that, that he has stuck with it. I believe that he has continued in the faith, even in the light of disappointment. It does look that way. It looks that despite feeling overlooked, he has continued. And, and I think that is an example within, uh, for us. Public failure, disappointment, feeling of overlooked, these people are confident to stand among this group. They are convinced of God's plan. They are joined with the brothers. They, they recognise the unity amongst one another and they have confidence in what Jesus is doing in his church. They're not focused on past failures or disappointments or recent months of you know, putting things down. They are, they, are, um, they are obedient to his call and they are trusting in the sovereignty of God and I, do, I guess I just want to kind of finish with a bit of a challenge for us you know last week we talked about stepping up and the opportunities that, that would be I want to you know encourage you to continue to think those things what is it that God's doing in your life what is it that that God has called you to in this next season and we want to we'd love to hear from you in that whether you feel specifically called um that's one thing, but all of us have been called. We've all hold this commission that Jesus said to, to go and make disciples of all nations. You know, if you think, well, I've not heard from Jesus a call, well, you have. It's written down, you, you are called. And so it's an opportunity for us to all step up in this season. But I feel that there will be a number of individuals that will feel uh, perhaps that they resonate with one or two of these characters in this story, that they may be waiting for uh, a moment waiting for something that God has put on your heart that you feel that God is moving you in direction towards and I just want to encourage you from these verses uh, to stick with it to keep going to trust in God's sovereignty Acts is full of individuals some of which are named others which are not named who did incredibly ordinary things incredibly ordinary things uh, but they are named in the Bible they're people that have um, made tents, there are people that have demonstrated incredible hospitality, there are people that have run businesses uh, that have set up bases in seeing churches established in cities, regions and nations and some of them are named, some of them are not, it's incredible, it's a wonderful book that we're going to get to uh, be confronted afresh with as we, we go and I guess right at the very start, last two weeks we want to just say like there is something for each of us in this, there is an opportunity for each of us to step up and to trust that what God has called us to is, is right, to, to trust his sovereignty in this uh, next step for us. I guess I'm just going to finish there. I'd love to pray for us, and we have actually got time uh, to sing a song. And so I wonder, uh, Sarah, is she about still? Maybe, um, if, yeah, if you can grab her. Um, I'm going to pray in a moment. Sorry, if, uh, I didn't give the band heads up. Um, but it would be great just to spend some time 
worshipping as we finish. I feel really uh, quite excited about this series and we're only in, in chapter one where we have this opportunity for each of us to kind of ask that question of ourselves. What, it, what is it that God has been speaking to us? What is it that we are waiting on him for? What is it that we can step up in in this next season? But I think that comes from a place of trusting in his sovereignty, from bowing down before him, for being obedient to him. And maybe um, we can sing that song, uh, bow down before him, he's Lord of all. Uh, and maybe we can sing that as a bit of a response to this. And you allow those things that have been percolating in your mind, hopefully, as I've spoken, to say, Lord, Lord, you're Lord of all, and I want to put this at your feet. I want to trust you uh, in this next season. Maybe I'll just pray as the band set up. Father, we thank you so much uh, for the example of the early church that we read in these verses. We thank you for these uh, examples from these individuals who uh, are so... uh, are so overcome by your grace and your mercy, but also uh, the fact that you have called them and caught them up into a a wonderful, beautiful mission, that you are king of, you are leading the way in, and that you are sovereign over. And so, Father, we want to pray that you would help us as we continue to uh, look at these uh, chapters together as this wonderful book. We want to pray that you'd help us in this next season as a church family and as individuals to trust you, to be obedient to you, and to seek your leading with our lives, we pray in your precious name. Amen.